We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, we are recording this episode on Thursday, August 19th, after the Bears played their first preseason game and are preparing for their second preseason game going against the Bills this upcoming Saturday. Um, you know, it was an exciting weekend, You say We got to see the Bears out there for the first time against, you know, a, a live actual – in a live actual game for the first time in months. Um, good chance to see Justin Fields in his first playing time with the Chicago Bears in a Bears uniform on Soldier Field. So a lot of good stuff from this past weekend. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. And I will say before we get into like the game preview and stuff here, I mean, this was a vastly and I know that every single year in the NFL, um, it's a different team. But and I know it's only preseason but this was, I think, a much more different looking Chicago Bears team just from top to bottom compared to whatever we saw in that playoff game back in January during the wild card round at these or I think it's like the Mercedes Benz Superdome where the Saints play. But it, yeah, it was definitely a, a much more different Bears team. Well, I'll say this, uh, maybe in the second half, it looked like a different Bears team. That first half, though, it looked pretty similar to what we've seen from Bears teams in the past because, you know, the Bears, they start off, it was, it was a struggle in the first half for the Bears' offense especially. They didn't get a first down on their first five drives. With five, three, and also start the game, that includes two with the first team with Andy Dalton and then three went once Justin Fields got in there. Um, you know, it's preseason. There's really not too much to really glean into that, I don't think, because – you know, the starters, not even all the starters are out there. Like Allen Robinson didn't play. Marquise Goodwin, who's going to be their number three guy at wide receiver. He didn't play in this one. You know, they have a makeshift offensive line right now. Uh, even the Dolphins weren't playing all their stars either. So there's just not a ton to really read into that, in my opinion. Um, but, I mean, that's never – in terms of what to take away here, I, I think the big thing is we have to talk about Justin Fields and his first performance with the Bears here uh, in his first preseason game because – you know, there were some ups, there were some downs, uh, you know, especially early on, you know, there were definitely some negatives early on in that first half there. Like, like we said, I mean, the first half offense in general just really struggled in this one, but overall I thought it was a pretty positive day for Justin Fields uh, and positive experience for him as he continues along in his development. What were your thoughts on his performance as a whole? You know, I thought it was a solid performance. And again, he did start out a bit slow. I guess he did have to shake some jitters off. But also those slow starts, those jitters that kind of set in. I mean, you could argue that that's expected for like, you know, any young player. And it's just not exclusive to the quarterback position. I mean, for any rookie, when you look across the league, I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence seemingly started out slow. Same with Zach Wilson. I mean, Trey Lance, I think on the second play of the game, on one of the 49ers first series had like an 80 yard touchdown pass. 
But the reality of the situation, I thought, was just the fact that Justin, you know, things slowed down for him as the game went on. And when he said after the game that, hey, look, the – um, you know, NFL game really isn't that fast or didn't seem that fast. Number one, that quote was really taken out of context because what Justin was referring to was this. It's basically saying that, look, going against a Super Bowl caliber defense in the Bears at practice every single day has really helped improve my game and make me speed up, you know, how fast I play the game. When you look at a lot of these other young quarterbacks, these first, second year guys, I mean, there's not a lot of them that can say, hey, I'm going against a Super Bowl caliber defense in, in training camp and practice every single day. That is something that Justin can say. But everything that you saw that was a strength of Justin's at Ohio State was on display. You talk about the um, mobility. You talk about the ability to create plays off schedule, off script. And then you look at just the way that he navigated the pocket. He was very calm and poised as well. He was leading his receivers into throws. Now there's two big debates going on around. I think Justin had what, six or seven incompletions. So some of those were just completely drop passes by wide receivers that were perfectly placed balls. Some of them though, you could argue that, okay, those were throws where Justin needs to lead the receiver into those throws, but overall it was a pretty solid day. Nonetheless. Now, let me wrap up here before I let you go. Should we put a lot of stock into this preseason game and one performance? No, but was it encouraging enough to say, okay, this is where Justin's really at and this is what he needs to do better? Yes, because it did give us enough on tape to say, all right, this is where we could see Matt Nagy and the Bears coaching staff kind of tweak and you know fine-tune their development plan for Justin Fields moving forward. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, you don't want to overreact too much to one game. Like, you know, like we said, it's a preseason game. This is his first chance to get out there. You know, a player is not going to be a superstar. Their future is either being a superstar or a boss isn't going to be determined in one preseason game uh, where they're playing with backups, going up against backups. Like, not saying, not, not saying that we, you know, had to dismiss everything that Just Fields did. Like, that's definitely not what I'm saying. But again, you have to say everything with a grain of salt, with a grain of salt, and look at everything in context. But like you said, there are a lot of positives to take away from what Justin Fields did. And like you said, we saw all the strengths that he showed at Ohio State, the arm talent ability. I mean, he made a couple throws. Uh, There's that one in the two minute drill where you know he was rolling out to his right, and then he kind of threw it across his body to to uh, I forget the name of the wide receiver, but. It was that third down play where you threw, I kind of I broke it down on my live stream I did on the Bear Report YouTube channel, which you can check out on the Bear Report YouTube channel as well. But, um, you know, that just that Mahomes type of throw where he's going across his body in an awkward angle and just throwing an accurate dart to his wide receiver uh, for the first down. Those are the type of things that uh, really stood out in this one. The accuracy downfield, I thought he threw some really accurate deep balls, uh, put it on the money. That, I mean, that one throw to Rodney Adams, uh, we kind of threw that jump ball in the slot fade route. Um, you know, a little bit, you could argue it was a little bit underthrown, but, you know, it was still a good ball. It gave his wide receiver a chance to go up and make a play. He had another throw in the first half where I think it was to Adams as well, where it went incomplete, but it was literally a perfect ball on a corner route, hit the receiver right in his hands, right in his stride. So um, a lot of good stuff in terms of that, but also the athleticism and, like you said, the ability to make plays when things break down. Um, you know, that was something that really showed out. He had that touchdown scramble. He had a couple other big scrambles. He had that one player where I think he was – uh, charted as like the fourth fastest player on uh, preseason week one by next gen stats on that one scramble he had with the RPO broke down. Um, he had to go out there and make a play. He ran for 20 yards for like a first down. I mean, that was really good use of his speed right there. And then the ability to use the threat of his running ability to impact his passing ability. Uh, we saw a few times where he would threaten to run on a scramble or a rollout and that would open up throwing windows for his receivers down the field. We saw him do that a couple times. So really positive stuff you're seeing right there. I will say this, the negatives of his game also, you know, so the flaws he has coming out of college, those did show up as well. I mean, it was, it was charted by, I think, PFF or Next Gen Stats that uh, his average throw time was over three seconds. And it's usually considered a very long time in terms of holding the ball for a quarterback at around like 2.5, 2.6 seconds, and he was over three. So we kind of saw, again, that he does have a tendency to hold onto the ball too long. He does have a tendency to uh, be a little bit too deliberate in the way he processes the game. That's all right, though. I mean, I, I tweeted this out a few days ago that 
you know, just because Justin Fields holds onto the ball too long, he's going to take a few more sacks than maybe you would like, um, even though he didn't take any sacks in this game. You know, there are a lot of quarterbacks that have struggled or that have had that be a big part of their game. Look at Aaron Rodgers for most of his career in Green Bay. You know, he had – there were many years where he was criticized for holding onto the ball too long. But guess what? You take the, that bad and you take it with the good, though, because Aaron Rodgers would always burn you with deep plays down the field because he was always looking for the big chunk plays in the passing game. Same goes for a guy like Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson's been criticized a lot over his career for holding on to the ball too long. But guess what? He makes up for it by making big plays in the passing game down the field. Same for a guy like Deshaun Watson, even too. He does the same thing. You know, he holds onto the ball too long, which opens up, um, you know, him to being sacked a little bit too much and putting his offensive line in bad situations. You know, this is going to be something that I think Justin Fields is going to have to work on throughout his career, but that does not mean he's not going to be a great quarterback. I, I think he definitely showed that everything that will help him in his development going forward and everything that could lead to him developing eventually into a great franchise quarterback for this Bears team. He showed that on Saturday, and now it's just about how can you build on that going forward. Uh, and that starts going into week two against the Bills on Saturday. Well, and I want to add this on regarding holding the ball too long because you did mention all those quarterbacks that have been notorious for always looking for the big play first. I mean, when we go back and we watch the – really, it's a year and a half worth of film because the 2020 season was shortened for the Big Ten at Ohio State. When you watch Justin in that year and a half at Ohio State, you notice that – in 2019, as well as 2020, Justin was always looking for the big play first. And Matt Nagy likes that aggressive mentality. Justin himself has basically alluded to, look, I don't mind being an aggressive quarterback, but then also you have to offset it with when you go back and you watch the film. I mean, there were instances where you saw Justin was looking for the big play, which is totally fine, by the way, because when this offense does have its ones playing like an Allen Robinson or a Darnell Mooney, you're probably not going to see Justin. And fields hold on to the ball for like three to three and a half seconds because what's going to happen is players like Mooney, Goodwin, Robinson, they are going to get open much faster than a lot of the guys that Justin was playing with on Saturday afternoon. Um, but then also you did see at times where when the big play wasn't there, Justin was just like, all right, I'm just going to scramble out of the pocket and I'll just dump it off right here for like a quick four to five yard um, pass to a guy like running back Khalil Herbert, by the way. So we're definitely seeing that at times – Justin does want to always be aggressive and look for the big play. And like I said, a couple seconds ago, that's not a bad thing, but then also he knows, okay, this is when I should and shouldn't be looking for the big play. And so it's just one of those scenarios and instances where he's going to get smarter and smarter with his decision-making as time goes on and the more reps that he gets, the better. And what happens this Saturday against Buffalo, I think is going to be really key to what the Bears could do in terms of developing him moving forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I would rather him be too aggressive right now and have to recalibrate and reel that back a little bit rather than being not, you know, being timid right now. And then you have to try to get that aggressiveness out of him. I would rather he be too aggressive right now and try and test what he can get away with and then adjust to that rather than, you know, what we saw at times out of Mr. Trubisky over the last, over, you know, his development in Chicago where, you know, he was too timid, too scared to make plays down the field. And that left a lot of opportunities on the table that could have been there. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens as we go forward here into the second preseason game. Another thing to talk about when it comes to this quarterback room, though, is that 
you know, Andy Dalton's making it known. He, he was in a, it was a press conference, I think, yesterday where he was made this quote. Um, and this kind of went around Bears Twitter a little bit where a lot of people were kind of trying to compare him to Mike Lennon, which honestly is a pretty valid comparison at this point. But um, basically we had that press conference where Andy Dalton after practice was talking about um, how, you know, Justin Fields, he thinks he's going to be a great quarterback in this league. And we, and we saw that on Saturday that the potential is definitely there. But Andy Dalton said, going out there and saying that this is my time now and, you know, it's time for me to show what I got, basically. It was essentially the quote. I don't know if you have the actual quote pulled up. I know you say, but um, I found that pretty interesting, you know, because I, I think it's really easy for Bears fans to get really excited over Justin Fields and to think that, okay, now this guy's ready to pl- play week one. Let's get him out there, which I'm on, you know, I've been on this, uh, in this camp for most of this process here that if Justin Fields shows that any, any semblance of being ready, for week one, he should be out there playing. I just think personally that any start that Andy Dalton is out there is kind of a waste of time at this point. Nothing against Andy Dalton. I think he's a nice guy, good, you know, solid quarterback. But we want to see Justin Fields out there developing and trying to get as much experience as possible. With that said, I, I do think it's, it's a good problem to have, though, if you have two quarterbacks in the room that are playing well. Um, you know, the last day I was there at training camp, I think it was, I was there yesterday um, on Wednesday from the time we were recording this. Um, you know, Andal had a pretty good day of practice. Justin Fields did not practice because he was nursing. I think it was a groin issue. Uh, he was back there out at practice today, and he's going to be set to play on this upcoming Saturday. But, um, you know, I always find it, you know, in these situations where you have a veteran and a rookie that, you know, iron sharpens iron to a degree. You want these guys getting, getting after it. And, you know, Andy Dolan has made it clear, I think, throughout this process that he's not just going to lay down and let Justin Fields take the job for him. He's going to make it as difficult as possible for Justin Fields to take that job. You know, I don't know. What were your kind of takeaways from Andy Dalton's comments? And, you know, what do you think he has to show in, you know, week two of the preseason? Because he did not get too many reps against the ones uh, against Miami. Uh, And it it sounds like he's going to get more reps on this upcoming game against the Bills. So what, what are your kind of thoughts on his comments there? And, you know, what are your expectations for him on Saturday? So, you know, and again, we're recording this on Thursday, August 19th. So head coach Matt Nagy spoke to the media around 9 a.m. He did say that Andy Dalton would be playing about a quarter and a half is what the projected snap count is going to, or the projected playtime, I should say, for Andy Dalton is going to be. Now, Andy certainly is going to get an opportunity to really showcase what he's able to do and his ability to not only lead, but also command this offense. Look, I saw the Mike Glenn and Andy Dalton stuff going around. I will say this. I kind of disagree with it because – this is uncharted territory for the Bears. You look at Ryan Pace, who again has been here for seven years, and they've never really had two legitimate starting caliber quarterbacks on the roster. 50% of it is because they've also never had a guy or a prospect or a first round pick the caliber of Justin Fields. Now, Andy, I don't think is Mike Lennon 2.0 in any way. Obviously, that's just people comparing the situations. But we also have to keep in mind is that has Andy Dalton never won a playoff game? No, Mike Lennon's never done so either. But Andy did start his career out winning like, you know, five or six straight seasons and at least being good enough to lead a team to the playoffs. Mike Lennon was not able to do that in any way, shape or form. And then you factor this in. It's been five years since Mike Glennon was here, and the Bears roster is better positioned. Forget the defense. The Bears the Bears offense in general in 2021 is much better positioned to help a quarterback succeed in 2021 than it was back in 2017. Because if you look at that 2017 roster, I mean, you had Cody White here and Kyle Long who were – you had Alshon Jeffrey too. Some of those guys – well, Alshon Jeffrey wasn't here in 2017. He left for the Eagles. But your best playmakers on the offense were your running backs in Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. There really was not a wide receiver one. Um, you know, the projected wide receiver one that year, Cam Meredith, tore his ACL. And so – Overall, it's just like there were not really any good playmakers around to help Mike Lennon and even Mitch Trubisky really succeed. So Andy Dalton should not be considered a Mike Lennon 2.0. I know you've done kind of breakdowns on this Andy skill set when the Bears sign him. I mean, they can play pretty much. The Bears can play any style of offense that they want when it does come to Andy Dalton. Now, just based off what you've seen at camp, what I've seen at camp, everything that we're seeing and hearing, it's very clear that they're going to cater the offense to what Andy Dalton was successful with from 2016 to 2018 with Bill Lazor, which is also very similar to some of the stuff that Justin Fields ran at Ohio state, as well as being very similar to, um, you know, 
some of the stuff that the Bears ran the second half of the season when Mitch Trubisky was back in the game last year. But when Andy spoke to the media on Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon, I should say, following practice, you could tell that does he know and acknowledge this is the Justin Fields show? Yeah, he does. Is he letting it affect him? Not necessarily. And why? Because you just have to turn the calendar back a year and a half. Andy was in Cincinnati when the Bengals had the first overall pick. And he was there that offseason before being released shortly before the draft. And what had happened is Andy knows what it's like to be replaced by a highly prized rookie. And he said this yesterday. He's just like, hey, listen, I feel like I've been through a ton in my career. And so I think all the experiences that I've gone through have helped me get to this point right now. The point is, is Andy knows what it's like to have a a big prize rookie quarterback basically walk into the room and replace the veteran. He knows what it's like, so he's not going to let this phase him. Right now, he's just here to make the best of it, and it's actually good for the Bears if Andy does start out hot because not only are you giving Justin more time to mentally develop because we know what Justin can do physically and in football stuff, but the question is, is can he process and get it all done mentally because that's what a lot of rookie quarterbacks and just young quarterbacks tend to struggle with. Now, in terms of who the starting quarterback should be, I mean, from a football standpoint, everyone's going to lean Justin Fields and everyone's going to tell you it's Justin Fields because it's the rookie. Well, that's a general argument right there. And I'll tell you guys why, because every time a team drafts a young rookie quarterback, everyone wants to see the rookie play instantly. And that's in terms of the fans, the coaches know that we have to kind of dial this back just a bit, but I will say Justin's a far superior player than Anthony, because if you look at what the bears really want to accomplish on offense in terms of, being a big play explosive offense, being able to push the ball down the field, having a quarterback that can hit any throw, having a quarterback that can win through the air because of a big arm, but also with his likes, that's where Justin comes in. The only really silver lining or the only, I should say, advantage that Andy has over Justin is Andy's been in the NFL for 11 seasons. So experience is a bit, when we're talking about experience, that's the advantage Andy Dalton has. But when we're talking in terms of football, that's where Justin kind of, has the major upper hand. So at the end of the day, in terms of who the starting quarterback is, there's not really a right answer for the Bears. There's not really a wrong answer because, again, this is still uncharted territory for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to have two legitimate starting caliber quarterbacks on the roster. Well, certainly I think Justin Fields gives the Bears a much higher ceiling week one because like of all the things you mentioned, the running ability, the ability to make plays off script, the arm talent, all that stuff is in Justin Fields' favor. You know, Andy Dalton does have the experience in terms of, you know, he's, he's seen every single defense at this point in the NFL. He knows what every defense is going to be giving him at any single point. Like, there's nothing that's going to really uh, surprise him too much. I mean, although, you know, Andy Dalton, one of the parts of his film is that, you know, he will be pretty reliable and pretty consistent, but there will be a few plays here and there where the defense fools him and it can create problems. Now, with that said, you know, Dalton, you know what you're getting out of him. You know, Justin Fields, you still don't know you know, how ready he is, I guess, at this point, because he hasn't really had a lot of experience going up against uh, number one defense with the number one starters for the Bears here. You know, how ready is he for the moment here? I, I think personally that, that Justin Fields is ready from what I've seen, both at practice and what we saw in the game. But another thing that factor in here in terms of, you know, who's going to start week one is the offensive line. You know, the offensive line has been a huge topic of conversation pretty much this entire training camp period because of the uh, Tevin Jenkins situation, the injuries like the Jermaine Ifedi, James Daniels, and all the shifting that, that, that's going around there. You know, the odds of line has been a mess in terms of getting everything together right now. And, you know, I'll say this after wa- re-watching the game a couple times, you know, I thought the odds of line played better than I expected, but there are still some worrisome things to take away there. And it wasn't all pretty. I know Pro Football Focus ranked the Bears as a top five pass blocking offensive line in week one for the preseason. So that's a good, good positive right there. Um, I know the Bears, they use a lot of play action to kind of help themselves out with that. So take that a little bit with a grain of salt. And the Miami Dolphins, they don't really have any good pass rushers. They, they sat most of their good pass rushers anyway. So uh, the level of talent they're going up against wasn't really there. Um, with that said, though, it does seem like we got some solid performances. You know, I thought – Although Chavis Simmons had a pretty solid game at right tackle. He played a lot. You know, Elijah Wilkinson wasn't completely bad at left tackle. Um, that's a position he really hasn't played too much in the past. And then, 
you know, the interior was also decent as well. So I thought they were decent in pass protection. They did not give up a sack, which is partly a quarterback set, set uh, stat, partly an offensive line stat. Uh, but overall, the offensive line wasn't a you know liability in this game by any means. But uh, certainly, you want to see them get a little bit better as the games and the training camp goes on. Uh, but one interesting news that came out just after the game was the Bears signing uh, former Eagles left tackle Jason Peters, uh, who's you know one of these guys that will probably be in the Hall of Fame at some point uh, down the road of his career. A guy who uh, has been a great left tackle for the majority of his career. Uh, the Bears signed him on basically a minimum deal, on a one-year minimum deal. He's going to be competing with Wilkinson at that left tackle position. And this was notable because immediately, like a few days later, later uh, you know, just yesterday, actually, Tevin Jenkins has surgery. We find out Tevin Jenkins has surgery to repair his back, which has been an issue pretty much ever since he was uh, in college at Oklahoma State. So they repair this back issue that's been giving him problems throughout training camp here. So Tevin Jenkins... I would assume at this point that he's not going to be playing this season unless, you know, he just comes back really late in the season and they need bodies at that left tackle spot. And they're going to say, okay, you're healthy enough. Let's throw you out there and see what you got, Tevin. But I would not bank on Tevin Jenkins playing this year. It seems like that's out of the cards as of now. So you're looking at a left tackle situation where it's between Jason Peters, who's 39 years old, coming off an injury plague, couple of seasons, you know, hasn't really been healthy over the last four years or so. Um, but when he's on the field, uh, he, he's shoot, shown over the last couple of years that he can still play at a relatively high level, even though he's still up getting up there in age. Then you have Elijah Wilkinson, who's been a veteran in this league for a few years now, um, has struggled out at tackle, never really played left tackle before, um, but he's going to be getting reps there at left tackle. And then Larry Borm, a fifth round project um, out of Missouri, who, you know, reshaped his body over the offseason, played right tackle in Missouri now has to switch over to left tackle to compete at that spot. So those are really the three guys that are going to be competing for that left tackle job, not to mention that Jermaine Ifedi isn't even back yet from the pup list. So uh, the tackle situation is still in a bit of flux, but what are your thoughts on the Jason Peters signing as a whole and what that means for this group? And, you know, in terms of relating to how, to how they played against Miami, because, you know, I think the Peters exciting signing is exciting for me personally, because I think if Jason Peters can be – you know, 75% of what he was in Philadelphia, that's still a pretty solid left tackle. And you'll take that at this point in the offseason for what the money is on this deal. But, um, you know, this left tackle situation is still a bit iffy as we get into the season. So the Jason Peters signing, it, it kind of surprised me because I always felt like this regime, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, they are always – the kind of people to go ahead and say, no, we're going to stick with whatever we have on the roster. Now the timing of it obviously was a bit surprising because not only was it right after the preseason game, I mean, the bears were still getting off the sidelines and back into the locker rooms. And then the news broke that Jason Peters was signing with the bears. Now you look at that prior to that on a Friday night, I I think it was, is the Bears released wide receiver Thomas Ives opening up a roster spot. And then the very next day, they announced the Jason Beater signing. So you see what's going on there. But we also have to understand is that this signing was made specifically because what had happened is Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, and Matt Nagy, they were in Philadelphia when Jason Peters was there as well under head coach Andy Reid. This is a classic case of two coaches saying let's bring back an old friend and a guy that we're familiar with to mentor what is a really young offensive line you look at this offensive line right now take Jason Peters out of the equation the oldest guy is Cody White here I believe is like 29 or 30 years old and is going into his fifth or sixth season this is so with this inexperienced offensive line Jason Peters is a lot like Andy Dalton in the sense in the sense that he's the old head in the room that's going to be mentoring a lot of these young players because again you know after Jason Peters who do you have you have Cody Whitehair and Jermaine Ifedi who are going into year five you have James Daniels who's going into year four Sam Mustafer is going into year three at this point and Mustafer by the way has looked really good so far throughout training camp and just in general so this offensive line it needs the one guy who's going to put them over the edge and basically be there to mentor everybody now in terms of Saturday the offensive line was pretty solid but we also have to understand something is that Justin's mobility seemingly did mask some of the issues that were apparent the Bears didn't allow any sacks against Miami's 
Um, first, second, or third team defense, which, by the way, is an encouraging thing itself. Now, when we look at all these offensive line injuries on paper, we thought going into training camp, the starting five from left tackle to right tackle was going to be Tevin Jenkins, James Daniel, Sam Mustafer, Cody White here, and Jermaine Ifedi. That starting five has not practiced together once all offseason, all right, or once throughout training camp. And so the silver lining in all these injuries is that we're seeing players such as taking Alex Bars or a Lacavia Simmons or an Arlington Hambright or even a Larry Barone, for example, these second, third, fourth string guys get these reps. So we're seeing Chicago, the coaching staff, get an opportunity to evaluate depth across depth across the board for the entire offensive line and that bodes really well because this is a team that likes to have versatile offensive linemen we talk about Cody White here I mean he's a prime example that played left guard at Kansas State is playing center center and right guard now in the NFL you look at James Daniels I mean those Iowa guys they can play any position along the interior offensive line Alex Bars is another one who's had eight starts last season but he's received reps at left tackle as well as right tackle Elijah Wilkinson traditionally been a right tackle in his career been a backup swing tackle now he's getting the opportunity to start and get some reps at left tackle with Tevin Jenkins being out and then you look at Larry Borum I mean Everyone thought he was going to be a right guard and right tackle for the Bears. Seemingly, Matt Nagy did say on Thursday morning, no, Larry's going to get an opportunity to showcase what he can do at left tackle. And so the versatility is giving the Bears an opportunity to really just kind of evaluate, okay, what is the true ceiling of some of the depth that we have here right now? And then the Tevin Jenkins news, because you touched on it. I mean, it's so disappointing the way that the Bears handled this. I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of like the Trey Burton situation, where if you remember two years ago in training camp in Bourbon A, Matt Nagy was all like, yeah, Trey's getting better. We're just easing him into things. He's had surgery. We don't want to you know, go ahead and like re-injure him. And then Burton played what four or five games that season in 2019 got released next off season. From what it sounds like, it sounds as if the bears never wanted to have to resort to surgery for Jenkins, but, and they tried all these different types of treatments, but then when it became apparent that, um, surgery was the only option they went and did so and you look at this and it is disappointing because it's probably going to knock out Jenkins for the entire season the goal is to get him back this year per Nagy but if he's not back you have to wonder okay could this whole thing have been avoided had you just opted for surgery in the first place because back tightness should not take three to four weeks to heal and by the way Matt Nagy had reporters turn the cameras off at um, and he had the Bears PR do the same on Thursday morning at the end of his press conference and I think it could be something related to what's going on with Tevin Jenkins that he just didn't want to disclose to the public or it could be something about Akeem Hicks who suddenly left practice on Tuesday but then was back there on Wednesday and Matt Nagy declined to comment about that on Wednesday morning too you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I don't. On that last point, there, I, we have no idea what 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 happened. I mean, basically, Bears PR and uh, you know Nagy basically they, just, they went dark with the reporters for some reason. So uh, I, I'm not going to speculate. I, it's sounding like uh, from a few of the reporters that were there that it was nothing football related. It was more of a scheduling issue, is what it's sounding like that Matt Nagy wants to address with the reporters. But uh, you know, we're just never going to know. I mean, we weren't there, so I'm not going to speculate too much on that. But you know, I will say. Um, that when it comes to that Tevin Jenkins situation, I mean, it really puts into question the process that the Bears had to uh, this entire offensive line situation because I don't mean to harp on this too much. And, you know, I've been kind of poking the bear on Twitter a little bit over the past week or so with, you know, Charles, Charles Leno and, and how, you know, I, you know, me and many other people on Bears Twitter have been saying that, you know, Charles Leno was a fine left tackle. It made no sense for the Bears to move on from them, even with the move up for Trevin Jenkins at the time, because, you know, having a viable starting caliber left tackle in the NFL is very hard to find. 
uh, and you know, have one on your roster and just cut them outright when there were other ways to save money, the other way to save cap space to sign rookie class, it made very little sense. Now, there are some arguments uh, for and against keeping Charles Leno. Like, you know, the argument that, you know, he's not a scheme fit with what Juan Castillo wants to run here in Chicago. He's not a fit for, you know, the type of odds to tackle that Castillo likes. I think that's a better argument to have than just saying that, you know, he's a bad off the tackle and, you know, you just draft his replacement. So let's cut him. You know, that really doesn't hold any water for me because rookie tackles really struggle in their rookie seasons. I mean, that, that's just a fact of the matter. You know, Tristan Wurst, who had a great year for Tampa Bay last season, he's an outlier um, in that, in that sense, like Tristan Wurst, you know, rookie expecting a rookie tackle to come in, especially as a second round pick and playing at a pro bowl, all pro level is not going to happen you know, many times that that's a rarity. So the expectation was always for if Tevin Jenkins played that he was going to struggle as a rookie tackle, especially moving from the right side to the left side, where he was more comfortable playing at the right side throughout his career at Oklahoma state. Like that's just a fact that was going to be always be a possibility, but here's where it becomes an issue for me because, you know, the bears, not only did they pick Tevin Jenkins, knowing he had, you know, these back problems that could have been an issue. This is something that, you know, I'm, I'm sure, the Bears medical staff, they cleared him, you know, they cleared him on the back issue. They thought it was not going to be an issue going forward. I, I'm sure they probably just, you know, it was a bad evaluation on their part or misevaluation on their part, and they did not expect this to be quite as bad as they thought. With that said, they knew the back, that he had back troubles at Oklahoma State, and he was falling in the second round, presumably because of those same back troubles. Like, this is something that a lot of NFL teams had access to, and everyone knew, you know, from the draft community to draft Twitter to uh, guys in the NFL who cover the league in the NFL, they all saw Tevin Jenkins as a, you know, for, for sure thing, first-round talent in this draft. And for some reason, he's slipping into the second round. Like, there's got to be something more going on here. And the Bears, with all the needs that they have on the roster, at quarterback, you know, on the offensive line, at wide receiver, all these other needs across the roster, they trade up for Tevin Jenkins in a deep offensive tackle class. Like they could have still gotten a guy at number 52 to get an off the tackle that you know, they could have developed into a starter for them, you know, sooner rather than later. And instead they trade up for Tevin Jenkins. No, he has his, his back issue. And then on top of that, they cut an off the tackle. That's been a durable solid starter for them going on five, six years, however long uh, Charles Leno has played for the Chicago bears in his career. So that entire process it's just bad process in my opinion. And, you know, the offensive line is a position knowing that Justin Fields and the type of quarterback that he is, he's probably going to be playing at some point this year as a guy who's going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. You know, you want to have that depth on the offensive line and as good of a group as possible to throw out there, you know, and if it's a case where you get the training camp and Tevin Jenkins, he's healthy, he's playing very well. And, you know, he's playing evenly with Charles Leno. Then I think it makes sense to make that cut right there and move on because if Tevin Jenkins shows he's ready in camp, to take that starting job, you know, let the rookie play. That's that's a different type of argument, though, than just cutting Charles Leno right away. So, um, again, that's just the nature of things right here. So that was a frustrating thing for me uh, throughout this entire process. You know, the fact that they kind of downplay this this entire time, and now we're in the situation where we're at with Tevin Jenkins. It's frustrating because I love Tevin Jenkins as a prospect. I think he's going to be a very good tackle, but. You know, for him to have these back issues so early in his career, it's worrisome and it puts his career, I wouldn't say in doubt, but, um, you know, it's just very unfortunate for Tevin Jenkins that this is how his career is started because I was excited to see him this season. And, you know, it's, now it's looking like he's not going to be playing until 2022 until further notice. Yeah, look, the, what, what annoys me about the Tevin Jenkins situation, and again, this goes all the way back to April, is the fact that it's not the trade up didn't necessarily bother me for two reasons. Because number one, this is an organization that's going to be aggressive and preach a win now mentality, and they are going to continuously go ahead and just pound the table for sacrificing future draft capital if it means helping the team in the moment but what kind of annoys me is they there really wasn't a true contingency plan in place now releasing charles leno jr and i said this at the start of the offseason by the way the 2021 offseason when he 
everyone kind of began to speculate, could you move on from Charles Leno Jr. as well as Bobby Massey? I said it's going to be very difficult to replace both starting right tackles. But again, the domino fell in the Bears' favor when Tevin Jenkins really slipped. I'm not even mad that they trade. I'm not necessarily really annoyed that they traded up for Tevin Jenkins because let's just call it how it is. I mean, this is an offensive tackle that was considered to be a top 20 pick. When you take the back issues out of it, Jenkins was ranked as OT three or four by a lot of people behind prospects such as Christian Derisaw, Rashawn Slater, Panay Sewell even. Now, what does kind of annoy me is the fact that there was no, and I alluded to this a moment ago, but I'll expand on it. There's not really a true contingency plan in place. And so you have to question, why did you go all in on ensuring that Jenkins was going to be healthy despite knowing and acknowledging and saying this publicly? Oh yeah, he had a list of back issues and stuff throughout college, but then not, you know, make an effort to seriously sign someone because when we look at a lot of the signings the Bears made this offseason, especially for the offensive line. All right, so you brought Jermaine Ifedi back. Well, that's a player that has absolutely zero experience playing left tackle in the NFL. You brought in Elijah Wilkinson. Wilkinson is a player that, you know what, I hate to say it, he has only played right guard and right tackle, and he's been a swing tackle for most of his career. And now all of a sudden, you're basically trying to jam a square peg into a round hole by, you know, panicking here and giving players like Larry Borum and Wilkinson those reps at left tackle as well as Jason Peters. So it just really what it is right now is, look, could Jenkins come back in 2022 and then go on to have a phenomenal 10 to 15 year career in the NFL? Absolutely. That's what you hope for. But it's still a really disappointing thing in year one because it just wasn't a good job by the coaching staff identifying that we need to beef up the depth at that left tackle spot or the front office in terms of both the college as well as the pro personnel side of things saying, you know what, we need to figure something out here. And so moving forward, what's going to happen is this, is that you have to hope Jason Peters is like you mentioned, 75 to 80% of what he used to be, or even if he plays at kind of 75% of what he was, that's going to be good news for the Bears. You have to hope that guys like Borum and Wilkinson are able to adjust quickly. If not, what's going to happen is come 2000 or I'm sorry. Yeah. Come the second week of September, what will, or the first or second week of September, last week of August, you are going to have to look into making sh- signing one of these veterans that's going to get cut. And by the way, I actually pounded the table hard for a guy like, Eric Fisher, who signed with Indianapolis, or Mitchell Schwartz, for example, I was like, hey, those are two veteran guys that have experience in this offense. They have experience with Matt Nagy. Maybe at the time that would, and I know there's hindsight coming into play here. At the time, you would have been like, oh, no, we have Tevin Jenkins. But at the same time, getting one of those guys in here, first things first, both of those players have played at a higher level than Charles Leno Jr. All right, And number two, we have to keep in mind is that it would have been nice to have one of those guys in here really pushing both Jermaine Ifedi as well as Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, here's the last thing I'll say on the offensive line and Jenkins and the Lionel situation. My problem is not trying to – this is something that some people seem to misconstrue on Twitter because that's what Twitter does. Like you can't get a full picture or full detailed uh, debate going on Twitter because there's only so many characters you can have. But, you know, I'm my, my argument isn't that – there shouldn't have been moves made to try and upgrade Charles Leno at that left tackle spot. Like I've been saying for years, that the Bears should be proactive in trying to find a replacement or potential upgrade for Leno because he is what he is. He's an average left tackle. Those are difficult to find. So if you're going to be getting a replacement as he kind of gets older and up there in age, you should be proactive about it and trying to you know address this in the draft any way you can, basically trying to get as much young talent to the, uh, into the tackle room as possible. And the Bears just haven't done that over the years until this season where they cut Leno. So uh, that's not my issue in terms of trying to upgrade the position. My issue is just like you have a solid veteran on the roster. You just uh, trade up all this draft capital for a guy who has back issues, who was probably going to struggle with a rookie anyway. The entire process just did not make sense to me. So, again, like you said, I mean, if you're going to cut Charles Leno, it makes sense to go after another veteran in his place, which the Bears did but they struck out on because they don't have a lot of money to play with this offseason, which was just another issue in general. Um, so that's where they're at with the offensive line. You know, it is what it is at this point. You just hope that, you know, as they get healthy, as they get these guys into the building here, they can sort of gel over the next, I don't know, three and a half weeks before the season starts and that, you know, they're ready to go by week one. That's really what it's all about here 
again, we'll see what happens in week two against Buffalo. You know, one, one last thing on this game before we move on to previewing the game against Buffalo, you said, was there anything or any player that kind of stuck out for you in this first preseason game? Because, you know, I, I thought I'll start with my take first and then we can move on to yours. But I thought uh, the front seven really stood out to me in this one. Uh, all three strings of the defense, first string, second string, third string, you know, they were, they look pretty dominant out there. They had three sacks in this game, eight quarterback hits. They held the, the Miami Dolphins running backs to three and a half yards per carry in this game. So really good stuff from them. Um, you know, I thought Alec Ogletree, he made some nice plays in the run game early. You know, Cleo Mack is Cleo Mack. Bilal Nichols made some nice plays. Uh, Kyrus Tonga impressed me quite a bit. Rookie seventh-round pick. He got to start at nose tackle. Uh, I thought he played, played a pretty solid game in this one for his first professional experience. So, overall, I really like the front seven and what they have going on there. Any other positive takeaways you have from this one before we move on? Well, I mean, you mentioned Kyrus Tonga. Now, the easy answer is that Justin Fields was the biggest standout, but I think another player – there's actually two players that I don't think anyone's talking about. Number one is third-year cornerback Duke Shelley, who was a 2019 sixth-round pick. He actually got the opportunity to start in the slot for the Bears. The first play of the game, by the way, Bears defense is on the field. They had Jalen Johnson as cornerback one, Kendall Vilzer as cornerback two, Duke Shelley in the slot. Shelley had like five or six pass breakups. He just seemingly was wherever the ball was. So really, I think a hidden gem to keep an eye on here for that starting slot cornerback position. And then the second player that stood out to me was 2021 sixth round pick Khalil Herbert. He averaged about 6.3 yards per carry, had three receptions for 11 yards, averaging just under four yards per reception. Now that is important to me because we went into the offseason thinking that Khalil Herbert is going to have solely a role on special teams, but you saw flashes of an electric playmaker of an electric playmaker that spark that this offense would need at times, which this is what Khalil's traditionally done at Virginia Tech is for the one year he was there, especially in that game against Duke. I mean, he was a player that really was the reason that that Hokies offense took off at times. And so Khalil Herbert is just another big name to keep an eye on this week as well as the final week of the preseason with uncertainty surrounding Tariq Cohen. Because right now you could argue that he's running back three on this roster. And then Charles Stone, the undrafted free agent pass rusher from Virginia. I mean, he had a tackle for a loss, one tackle, and then a sack as well. I think he got two quarterback hits too. I mean, people forget Snowden's 2020 season ended because I think it was a ankle or a foot injury. But before that, when he was healthy, he was being pegged as a player that was going to be a third or fourth fourth round pick as a pass rusher. And so when we talk about this outside linebacker room, you know what you have in Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn is quickly becoming an afterthought in Chicago, which by the way, Robert Quinn only played 50% of snaps last year for the Bears. And I get that was the Chuck Pagano defense. That was just Robert Quinn signings as the worst for the Bears throughout the Ryan Pace tenure as a big free agent contract because he's making 14 million this year. And I just don't see a way where the Bears are going to kind of have him play like more than 50 to 60% of snaps, even with Sean Desai, because Travis Gibson and Jeremiah Tachu are looking pretty good in camp. You add Charles Snowden in there, and all of a sudden, Robert Quinn's going to be a post-June first cut in 2022. But Snowden's another name to kind of keep an eye on. And then another one is Stony Brook defensive lineman. He's an undrafted free agent, too, and Sam Kamara. The Bears are trying to make Sam a outside linebacker. He's a defensive lineman right now. But that's also another name that kind of stood out to me. And then... Tease Tabor and Marquis Christian. Marquis Christian had, I think it was one play where he peanut punched the ball out of, I think it was, yeah, it was a Dolphins wide receiver or a tight end, third or fourth string guy, but that's key right there. So, you know, just to kind of run out my analysis here, I mean, the younger guys on this roster see the opportunity that's ahead of them, and they took full advantage of that on Saturday and moving forward, it's going to be important because we know that there's only like what 30 something players under contract in 2022. And so these younger guys now have the opportunity to become a core or part of the team's core moving forward. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yep, a lot of snaps out there. We had a lot of chances to make plays for these guys. So, again, we'll see what happens uh, going forward, I, I, you know, in terms of like one negative I'll point out, um, I like to see more from the wide receivers going forward because especially when we got to the second and third stringers, not a lot of separation going on. The Miami uh, Dolphins cornerbacks do a nice job of playing man coverage. I'd love to play man coverage in Miami. So, you know, the Bills are more of a zone heavy team. So maybe we'll see a little bit different in week two. Uh, but the wide receivers, they need to play better, I think, going forward in terms of separating and getting over for the quarterbacks. Uh, speaking of you know, week two, I think that's a good chance to transition to you know, the end of this podcast for today. Uh, let's, let's preview the Bills game a little bit be- here because, you know, a lot of these young guys, we talk about them, you know, sticking out for us in week one. You know, this is a good opportunity to kind of build off of that going into week two. Um, and this Bills game is going to be interesting because it is a – we have a chance for, you know, last week was a quote-unquote Amshaheen revenge game, which, you know, Amshaheen was uh, tried out there as a team captain for the Dolphins. Um, at the coin toss, which I thought was amusing since afterwards he, you know, had a drop on the first possession of the game. Um, but, you know, we also have a chance for another notable revenge game here as Mitch Trubisky is going to be playing Chicago Bears uh, with the Bills here. It, it sounds like Trubisky is going to get the start as the Bills aren't really going to be playing their starters. Uh, Josh Allen isn't playing. I don't think they're playing any of their key guys either. So uh, it's going to be Trubisky out there getting the start for the Bills. And, you know, it should be fun to see, uh, you know, what that kind of dynamic is uh, when the game officially kicks off. But, you know, what are some of the things that you're excited about in this game for the, for the Bills game here? Because I think the starters, it sounds like, you know, Matt Nagy kind of point out there, they're going to get about a quarter, a quarter and a half of playing time, depending on um, the, the flow of the game and how that goes here with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And then Justin Fields is going to get a lot of snaps after that. Uh, I would assume for most of, if not the, the remaining of the game, this one. So what are some of the things you're looking forward here? in preseason week two as we go to this Bills game. Yeah, well, certainly I'm kind of looking for what are they starting offense, the ones for the Bears going to do? What is this? What's the first team offensive line that they're going to trot out there? And then also what I'm looking at is this wide receiver room. We know what we have in Allen Robinson, but we've heard so much reports about the step forward that Darnell Mooney's taking this offseason. Are we going to see that translate onto the field? Are we going to see Andy Dalton have the command and leadership of this offense that he's alluded to and he showed at times in practice? And then also another major aspect to keep an eye on is this, is that you talked about Mitch Trubisky starting. So I want to clarify something here because I did listen to Sean McDermott's presser this morning as well. And Sean alluded to basically saying this is that a majority of the Buffalo starters are not going to Place. So when we're watching the game on Saturday, and he mentioned Josh Allen and I believe wide receiver Stefan Diggs too, as two players that we're not going to play. So when we talk about the Bears playing the Bills on Saturday, keep in mind that just because Chicago has its starters out there doesn't necessarily mean that Buffalo is going to have their starters out there. Now that kind of puts um, the Bears are at a slight advantage there simply because, I mean, starters versus second, third team guys, you're probably going to take the starters every single time. But then also the one drawback of that is we're not really going to get to see where the Bears starters are at, especially on offense, compared to the um, Bills, who, by the way, have a Super Bowl caliber defense, in my opinion. And so ultimately, when you know we look at this, another thing that I'm looking forward to is what is this defense going to look like under Sean Desai? Because did we see guys like Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack get limited playing time on Saturday against Miami? Yeah, we did. But Eddie Goldman didn't play. And Eddie Goldman hasn't played in 20 months. So what is Eddie Goldman going to look like? Um, you know, Danny Trevathan, and Roquan Smith didn't play on Saturday. Alec Ogletree had a big game. Alec Ogletree is now middle linebacker three, by the way, in um, the Bears unofficial depth chart. So what is Trevathan and what is Roquan Smith going to look like? Didn't see any of the starting safeties play either. So what is this? kind of bears defense that is set to have a big resurgence with the starters gonna look like on saturday and the bills will certainly provide a major case of that now i'm gonna say this too um 
Mitch Trubisky, the moment he takes the field on Saturday, is going to get booed by the fans. And I think the last – by the Bears fans. And the last time I remember a um, Bears quarterback getting booed in a preseason game was when the Bears played Denver in 2009 and Jay returned to Denver just four months after being traded and everyone had the Crybaby Cutler T-shirts on. So that's the only other time – um, that, uh, you know, I've seen a Bears quarterback get booed. But, yeah, it's still going to be a fun opportunity for the Bears to fully evaluate the roster on Saturday because the first game was just kind of a quick dress rehearsal to make sure everyone knows, like, what's going on, what they're doing. The second game is where you're really going to get an opportunity to, to truly evaluate where the starters are at. And then the third game is going to be all about, some of these, uh, you know, third, fourth string guys getting the opportunity to showcase one final time. This is what I'm capable of. Well, if you remember in this, in the first preseason year, the Bears play against Miami, uh, Nick Foles actually got booed coming off the field when he, I think when he threw an interception. <laughs> so Bear, Bears fans are going to be brutal, I'm sure, out there. I, I'm expecting the boo birds, of course, with Trubisky. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I'm really excited to see that matchup. Um, but in terms of what to expect from the Bears specifically here and, and what I'm looking out for here, you know, personally, I would be honestly fine if the starters on defense just didn't play at all. Like, I don't even see anything from Phil Mack, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Roquan, Trevathan, like Jalen Johnson, Eddie, Eddie Jackson. I don't need to see anything, anything from those guys. Like, they should be trying to do everything they can to make sure that those guys are healthy for the regular season because we know what this defense is capable of when they got everything going. We just need to get them healthy for the season and hopefully they can remain healthy for the majority of 2021. But in terms of the offense, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how this team does against um, what should be mostly second teamers uh, for the Bills defense here. And you'd certainly hope that the offense starts off strong and, and looks good in the first quarter, the first quarter and a half, really in the first half in general here with the starters, because you know they did not look good against Miami uh, last week. And, you know, you know, Andy Dalton still has a lot to prove here, I think, with the Chicago Bears, if he wants to show that he's capable of being that starter and capable of holding off Justin Fields um, for a significant amount of time. You know, eventually he has to go out there on the field and prove it and have a good performance against another team's defense going forward here. So, you know, will we get a fair evaluation of this Bears offense? No, probably not. It's still preseason, so I mean, there's really not much you can really take away from here in general, but – um, you would like to see them do strongly because if they struggle once again, that's where the start, that's where the worries and the concerns really come into play here. You know, especially if guys like Allen Robinson and Marquise Goodwin and um, some of the guys on the offensive line are healthy and back playing, and we're still seeing those struggles out there. That would be concerning, I think, going forward here. So we need to see a strong bounce back performance from the Bears offense and see how they do here in this week two game against the Bills. Um, any predictions, bold predictions for this game as a whole in terms of who's going to be a breakout performer in this one or uh, just in general, you know, what are some of the things that uh, you think you think could happen in this game? Yeah, so I would say, and this is a bit of a bold prediction, knowing what the Bears have in the um, outside linebacker room, but I do think we're going to see another really strong game from Charles Snowden, someone that I mentioned a couple moments ago as a hidden gem. I also think that it's going to be another great opportunity for Kyrus Tonga to step up in the second half and show what he's able to do. And I think if Snowden and Tonga can stack strong performances on top of each other, kind of what will happen is then, you know what, maybe you don't need to worry so much about all the uncertainty that continues to surround Eddie Goldman. And maybe the Bears are going to be in a situation where outside linebacker depth, which was kind of viewed by some as being a weakness for this team with the whole situation with Robert Quinn, it's all of a sudden going to turn into a strength. And then I'm looking for Ken you know, another bold prediction I have is I think we're going to see strong performances from both Kendall Vildor as well as Duke Shelley. Yeah, certainly the secondary, uh, that, that cornerback competition, they're going to need to get some big performances from those guys going forward because we didn't see a lot in game one, but game two is going to be big uh, in terms of how they're tested by these Bills wide receivers. Uh, for me, I'm going to go uh, Khalil Herbert here as my uh, breakout performer in this one. He had a good game against the Dolphins, but I think he's going to break off a big run in this game at some point. I don't know what it is or why I'm feeling this, but I just really like what I'm seeing from Khalil Herbert out at practice from the days that I've been there. I really like what I saw from him in game one that you kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast. So Khalil Herbert, he's going to be my guy 
uh, for this game. I, I think uh, he's someone that is pushing for more playing time as the weeks go on, as he stacks good practices together. And I'm really excited to see what his role is in this offense because I think he's someone that could uh, garner a significant role down the road here. Um, you know, the Bears have a really deep running back room with David Montgomery and Damian Williams already ahead of him. And then we'll see eventually if Tariq Cohn gets back healthy at some point this year. But Khalil Herbert had that guy as your third or fourth best running back on the roster. That really puts your running back room in a really nice spot going forward. So, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up here for us here at Picks for Pace. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in on all podcasting platforms. Make sure for, to give us a follow on Twitter at Picks for Pace. Uh, you say, where can our listeners follow you and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter as well as any other social media platform at Usaid Koshal. Be sure to go ahead and check out my work on the Bear Report. Um, I try to have daily articles dropping around 8 or 9 in the morning every single day for you guys. I just dropped one on Andy Dalton's confidence continuing to glow despite the hype being around Justin Fields. And then seriously, make sure that you know, you've rate, reviewed, and subscribed to the bear report on every single podcasting platform and check out our YouTube channel as well. Whereas the season continues to get going here, you know, between myself, Andrew and our publisher, Zach Pearson, we're going to have a lot of content there for you guys every single week. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube for us. Like you said, said we're going to have a lot of content on there going forward. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman, AJ Freeman 25 and find my work at the bear report. And as you say, alluded to, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of work on YouTube this upcoming season, a lot more than what we've done in years past. And one of the things that we're doing is I wouldn't say a live stream every single week, but last week we did a live stream kind of doing a film breakdown of some of the key plays from uh, the first preseason game of the season, which you can go check out on the YouTube channel. Um, you know, this is something that we're going to be trying to do every single week. I'm not sure we're going to be doing a live stream necessarily for it every single week, but that type of format and what you see in that first video there, is kind of be similar to what we're going to be doing this upcoming year and, and give you guys a little bit more film breakdown stuff as the year goes on, which you can check out again on the Bearport YouTube channel. Uh, but once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in here. It's going to be an exciting weekend overall. Our second chance to see Justin Fields out there for the Bears, another chance to see whether this first team offense can get going or not. And it's going to be fun with Mr. Trubisky coming back to town. So a lot of stuff to look forward to this upcoming Saturday as the Bears play the Bills. And, you know, we'll see you guys there on Saturday, you know, on Twitter or wherever you guys interact with us on social media. You know, it's going to be a fun weekend, guys. Bear down, everybody.